Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Okay, so today we're kicking off something a little different. Uh, it's, it's different and we don't always do whiteboards up here, but we're starting a series called Kickstart. And you'll notice inside that you're, you don't have the typical place for you to write notes because most of you write, where are we eating today? And so I, I know that because I see them when you leave in the chair, all right? So what I want to ask you to do today is hang on to, to this because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you'll receive a reminder if you turn your reminders on the app or you can just go to the app or you can go to the website and there's going to be about a two-minute video encouragement that walks you through each day this chart. Because in this concept of leading and starting and having a kickstart to our life, our belief is that if we can get where we know where we're headed, our life can be extraordinary. And I don't believe any of us woke up this morning and decided, you know, I, what I really want to be is miserable. What I really want to be is I don't want to count for anything. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to leave a mark on this world to know that you were a part of something bigger than you. You were a part of something that was more significant than you. You were a part of something that when you put your head on a pillow at night, it was like, God, thank you. I got to be a part of something so unbelievably cool. And so we want to help you. And that's what Kickstart is about. How do you launch your life? I mean, I, I think when I look around, I see a lot of successful people. I see a lot of great folks. I see folks who, man, you've, you've got the church thing down for Pat for sure, right? And you're doing well. We are, we are a relatively affluent group of people in this room. But, it, but at the same time, we are also a people that struggle day by day by day. We are people who struggle with almost everything, we struggle with inconsistencies in our life. We struggle with inconsistencies with other people in our lives. And there has to come a time where each of us need what's called base. Now, when you were a kid and uh, you played tag or you played kill the kid with the ball or, or you played Red Rover, whatever your deal was, right? I mean, do you remember playing Red Rover? Red Rover, Red Rover, send whatever right over. And who did you pick? The kid that was a weakling because he couldn't break the link, right? You're out. You know, and what did we all do? Yeah, you know, when you play tag, even freeze tag, what did you do? There's always that kid that when you, when you say freeze, <laughs> what do you do? And they're always like this. But he's still got to get to base. Because when you get to base, what happens when you get to base? You are what? Yes, yeah, say it again. You are safe. So base tells me this is where I'm safe. Base tells me that this is where I am protected. Base tells me this is home. One of the things I love about going home is that Jen and the girls welcome me regardless of my mood, my past, my history. Home is safe. By the way, it ought to be home here. When we say welcome home, you know what we're really saying? You're safe here. You're protected here. This is home. Take a deep breath. This should be the last place that you come and you get judged. The last place you come and you be condemned. The last place you come and find it to be uncomfortable. It ought to be the safest, most protected place on the planet here. But it ought to be that way at home too. That's why we say welcome home. But now our view of base is really, really unique. We all came into this room with some kind of faith system or no faith system. 
And some of you are saying, okay, that's a new terminology. I don't really know what a faith system is, but whatever that is, then I, I probably ought to have one. Because some of us came into the room with a faith system that saw base as a place that wasn't safe. It wasn't home. It wasn't protected. Base was a place where things didn't happen that were so cool. And when you see base and we see that, wait a minute, as I look and I look at the notes of my life, today we're trying to tackle this concept of what if we could have a new perspective on our life? And could we launch our life into something where we knew we could run to base when we need to be safe, when we need to be protected, when we need to be home. But you see, if we're going to kickstart our life, it does start with our perception. You see, when we get our perception right, then we, then we can live and do life with other people well. But that is a challenge, isn't it? Because wherever two or more are gathered, you've got problems. I mean, you know what's out here sitting in this room? Weird people. They're everywhere. I mean, seriously, when you look around, don't you just see some, I mean, seriously, think about this now. When you look around, I know what you're thinking. Okay, if God made all these people in his image, he took a coffee break on that dude. <laughs> Aren't you? See? Have you ever walked down a hall and looked at somebody and go, I mean, kind of like in, inside your, your brain, you know what you thought? Yeah. You ever done that? You ever walked down the mall, looked at somebody and said, yeah. I mean, you went all Jimmy Fallon on them, you know what I'm saying? Guess what? When you walk down the mall, somebody's looking at you going, yeah, because we were built to do this life together. So we've got to have the right perspective so that we can live with people well. You see, I believe we live where, where, with constant conflict. I don't believe there's ever a time we don't have conflict. I don't think our problem is conflict. Our problem is just unresolved conflict. We have conflict because we're, we're really diverse people. We think differently. We act differently. We've come from different backgrounds. But that diversity should make us strong. So when we have the right perspective... We might be able to see people well. And when we see people well, we might be able to discover that our purpose is linked to God's purpose because God is all about people. His whole redemption plan is about people. But then we do that. What if we were able to go from purpose and we could actually build a life plan that says, okay, here's where I am and here's where I'm going and here's how I know I'm winning. And then I could know every day my daily practice could change and I know where I could go and my life could be changed because base has become significant in my life. But base is about how we see it. Some of you, base is a divine plan or path, and you, you kind of all Oprah Winfrey on me there. You know, it's like we're, we're, it's all a path, it's all good, and it's a divine, we, you got it, right? It's kind of an ethereal deal. Can't wrap your head around it. Some of you are, it's my, it's my religion. My religion is my base. So I always, I kind of go back to tradition, or I go back to rules, or I go back to laws, and, and if, you, if you cut your hair the right way, you don't listen to that, or you don't drink that, then that's cool. For some of you, it becomes a little easier for some of us. And you, you're able to say, you know, God is my base. But if we were honest, some of us see God like my first car. My, my very first car that I bought, I was 15, and I paid $400 for a 1964 Rambler Classic. Three-speed on a column with an overdrive and a flathead six. When you stomped on the gas, seriously, it looked like there was a smoke bomb that went off behind it, and it was clouding my effort. I didn't fill it up with gas. I filled it up with oil. It was unbelievable. But you know what else I had in there? I, I had an AM radio with a really bad speaker in that metal dash, and you had to roll the windows down. Can you imagine? 
with zero air conditioning. And I would crank up Quixie AM. And if somebody got bent out of shape, it was like, I can play Aerosmith if I want to. Yeah, I can play Sweet Home Alabama. I got Leonard Skinner, yeah. And then they came out with eight tracks, and I tried to put it in my Rambler. It was a bad boy. You know what's interesting? They don't make Ramblers anymore. Some of us see God, some of us see bass like that old Rambler. Boy, it was great for a time, but it's not so great for me now. I've, I've outgrown that. He's out of date. He's not up to speed with me. And so we, our view of bass is significantly built out of what our perspective is on bass. And so there we are, trying to figure out how do I get to bass? How do I know what's safe? How do I know where it's protected? How do I get there? How do I get the right perspective so that I can do this life with people? How can I have a purpose? How can I build a plan? How, how can I practice that day in and day out? Well, you know, since we believe the Bible's a big deal, since we believe Jesus is the biggest deal here, naturally, base for us is it goes all the way back to this one statement found in the book of Genesis. And we find this in the beginning, we find what word? In the beginning, what's next? Come on, one more time. In the beginning. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say in the beginning there were gods. And it doesn't say in the beginning there were all kind of options. Or in the beginning, the universe was spinning at 600,000 miles an hour, and you got to pick which galaxy you were in. It's just in the beginning was God. Now, I realize it takes a significant amount of faith to wrap our head around that intellectually and say, okay, Chuck, I just don't understand that. I really can't get my head wrapped around it. Okay, I want to give you some really cool insight. Me either. You see, there's something in the divine, wondrous, awesome God whose ways are higher than ours that we will never understand and get. That's where faith comes in. And our faith is able to say, wait a minute, if base is God, then how I see God determines how I believe base is. But if base is a 64 Rambler classic, I'm in trouble. Because see, we live in a world that this universe is ever expanding and growing. A universe that God built and created. So he separated the land and the water, and he created every beast. And when he made man and woman, he said, that is good. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We just stop with a period there, good work. But he continues on. And what's interesting, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. You say, wait a minute, whoa. When God created man and woman, he said, that's very good. I mean, think about this. It says you were made in the image of God. You. Right here in the little Sugar Hill, Georgia, you were made in the image of God. Today, if you're watching online, God made you in his image. By the way, when I say you, it's not an individual or a church. It really is just your heart. He made you. He, he created you. Out of Psalm 139 last week, we, listen to what we know that God says about you. It says, oh, Lord, you've searched me. You've known me. 
You know when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Do you see what's happening here? That God longs to be your safe base. He alone has said, I want to be your base and I've earned the right to be your base. Because not only did I create you, I created you to bless you. God says, this base is something you can count on. If you need direction, if you need answers, if you need safety, if you need hope that tomorrow can be better than today, God is saying, I created you, I've blessed you, I know you, and this is so beautiful. Doesn't it sound a lot like the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus said, I am the way. Run to base. I am the way. There's a base there that you can count on. It's not changing. And there is life where I find it in abundance today and eternally forever. But if you you take that logic and you look at this, in this ever-expanding universe we are, then all of a sudden we have to take a hard look at you. Uh Uh-oh. Because to take a hard look at us means i got to take my eyes off somebody else that's really bad. You see, if, if, if I start looking at me and trying to figure out, okay, wait a minute. If God is a base for me, and God is my place of safety, then how I see God determines my day. It determines my goals. It determines my calendar. It determines my checkbook. It makes every decision in the world how I see God. And I look at that, and I think, well, what, what if you see God like a heavenly law enforcement officer waiting behind your local cafe for you to do something, say something, drink something, eat something, wear something, or be something that you're not supposed to be so he can flip the, flip the blue lights on and bust you. I grew up in a faith system like that. I mean, seriously, I grew up where I thought God was waking up every morning and waiting for me to do the first stupid thing and bust me for it. You know why? That's kind of how my dad raised me. The minute, I found, the minute I did something wrong, dad was ready to pounce, man. You know, I began to see God through the lens of a church that screamed at me every Sunday morning and told me what was wrong with me. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I kind of knew what was wrong with me. I'd love for somebody to, to welcome me and accept me, but trust that God at work in me would do the change rather than barking at me and screaming at me. I mean, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know anybody that wants to come on a Sunday morning and be screamed at, do you? I don't. So wait a minute, my view of God then ought to be based not just on what my past was, what if my view of God was built on how he sees me? What what if I began to see God and I had a new perspective that said, wait a minute, I could see God in the lens through which he sees me. I could look at scripture and I could say, he created me, he made me. I don't have to make him fit in my 64 Rambler. He's bigger than that. He doesn't have to fit in my my little white board uh, perspective of a little Southern Baptist church that had 140 people in it. And 
he's bigger than that, isn't he? Isn't he bigger than my religion? Isn't he bigger than my tradition? Isn't he bigger than the songs I sing? Isn't he bigger than all of that? Surely, in a universe that is just exploding around us, God is bigger than my 64 Rambler and my old Green Meadow Baptist Church, isn't he? Isn't God bigger than that? Listen to what verses 13 through 16 from last week's teaching in Psalm 139 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. God is for you. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who could be against us? And if we're not careful, we're going to focus on the if. Have you ever lived with somebody, maybe it was a sibling or a parent or a best friend or a boss, and maybe you did 20 things right that day, but the one thing they asked you about was the one thing you didn't do? You ever been there? I mean, you, you did 20 things right. Not one person ever walked up, patted you on the back and said, dude, you killed it today. They found number 21 that you didn't get to and said, what is wrong with you? I'll tell you what you ought to do. Been there? Done that? You know, here's the problem. That's not how God teaches us that he thinks about us. Paul says, God is for you. Say it with me. God is for you. Now, I want you to change it this time. God's not for us that are in this building. God's not for you because you're at church. I want you to change it and hear the way I believe Paul is trying to write this. God is for me. Go ahead and point to yourself. God is for me. Say it with me. God is for me. What if our perspective every morning was, wait a minute, God is for me. God can't wait for me to wake up. I'm going to go out tomorrow morning and kill it because I'm walking with him. He's walking ahead of me. He's walking beside me. He's coming behind me. He's got me. I'm in base. I'm safe. I'm protected. I'm home. And my view of God has changed radically because I see me the way God sees me. And God wants to use us. Think about that. His redemptive plan for the whole world is you. Now think about that. He knows what you did last night. And he still says we're going to do this together. That blows my mind. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. That makes no sense to me. Four little words. God is for us. God is for me. Isaiah 49, 16 says, I've written your name on my hand. But God has written you down. He, does, he doesn't miss a beat. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He's for you. God's not waiting to bust you. He can't wait to bless you. He wants to lay his hand on you. He wants you to run to base. He wants you to come home. He wants to protect you. He wants to give you safety. God is for you. He wants to be base. I mean, think about it. it. Trees in heaven, God has engraved your name on them. On a heavenly calendar, he circled your birthday. The way he sees you is I love you, and I love you even though I know everything about you. I mean, you've, you've seen it at ball games. the guy with the rainbow hair, John 3.16, right? I mean, that's the guy that holds the sign up, and you just think, come on, dude, what are you doing? 
But John 3.16, I mean, it's one of those Bible verses we've heard over and over again. And what does it say? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. But it's for God so loved the what? Okay, let's look at it again. For God so loved me. For God so loved you. God did this for you, that you might have life. That the view, your perspective of base was one you could run to. And all of a sudden, Jesus enters, and we find others entering the story of our life. There's us and God, and we kind of do that fairly well. But Dartmouth University says 87% of our life and leadership challenges are interpersonal relationships, and yet God made all these other folks around here, even the weird ones, especially the weird ones. I mean, he's gonna, if you're like just some whack job who doesn't think like anybody else, welcome. I mean, if you're in the best place in the world, I mean, the, the biggest whack job in the room is me. I mean, come on. If God can use this, I mean, imagine what he could do with you. I mean, y'all are pretty people. I mean, seriously, yeah, you got, what if, if God can do this? I mean, seriously, my life was so messed up. How in the world would God choose to use this mess? Because he saw me for what I could be, not just for who I am. And then he put people around me. And you see, he sees them and his perspective of others is like me. If they're black, if they're Hispanic, if they're Asian, if they're tall, if they're fat, if they're homosexual, heterosexual, God looks at them and says, I love them. And there's nothing you can do to make God not love you. You say, well, I'll tell you one thing, Chuck. I'll tell you what I think about them. Uh Uh-oh. Now in the equation... How do we see others? Uh-oh. This is, this is getting a little personal, Chuck. I, I'm not sure this is where you want to go. Because, see, my base is formed on something that's nice and neat with people that agree with me and preach like me and teach like me and tell me what to think. And I have 38 rules I have to follow, and this is what we're going to do. And then this guy comes along and looks at Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Trinity, the divine Trinity, God the Father, our Creator, God the Son, Jesus, our Savior. God the Holy Spirit, our Savior, our our Keeper. And you look at all of this, and you say, wait a minute, how does this work? So Jesus shows up, and he tells the story about this kid. And this kid goes to his dad and says, you know what? In Luke chapter 15, he goes to his dad and said, I'd like my inheritance now. Because frankly, by the time you die, I'm going to be so old, it's not going to be fun anymore. So I want the money. So he takes the money, dad gives it to him, and he heads off. And he lives a life that's just crazy. I mean, seriously, he's just, it's like the movies, man. I mean, he is just, he is one big party waiting to happen. Selfish, sinful. I mean, you just think about it. He is one big party. And then he finds himself with zero money, zero friends, literally eating out of a pig trough. And he thinks to himself, man, I, I sure wish I could go home to dad. I'd give anything if I could go home to dad. So you know what he does? With the stench of the pig slop, and not a dime to his name, he starts to travel home. He's just bathed in shame. He's just washed and totally immersed in just, I so blew it. When I get home, Dad is going to beat the dog out of me. But I know I need to go back. That's safe. That's the base. Man, I saw other people as just something to use. I, I, 
And when I get home, what in the world's going to happen? And, and dad is waiting on the front porch, and he sees his boy headed home. And he does something that's unfathomable in that time. He rolled up his garment, and he ran toward that son. And his boy ran toward him, and they embraced. And dad said, I forgive you. I love you. We're, come on in. We're going to have a big party. Dinner It's going to be so cool. I know you blew it, but I forgive you. Welcome home. Now, all the other parents in the neighborhood, it was like, dude, I'm telling you, if that was my kid, he wouldn't be sitting at my table. If that was my kid, I'm telling you, no, no way. He'd be out. You're going to live under my rules? That's the way it works, dude. You know what every other little boy in the neighborhood said? Man, I wish my dad loved me like that. I wish my daddy loved me like that. You know why Jesus told that story? Because he's saying to me and you, your heavenly father, regardless of your past, regardless of your present, your heavenly father is waiting for you to run home to base. And when you get there, he will embrace you and hold you and forgive you and care for you. And he will bring you safety and peace. And that will be home and base. He's waiting for you. And a whole other story. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus has this life-altering encounter. And, and, and literally, it's an attorney. He's a big deal in the church. I mean, this is a big guy. He, I mean, this guy knows how to punish people when they break a rule. And he will bust you in a heartbeat. And you know where he's going to bust you? At church. Because at church, he's going to tell you everything is wrong with you. Because he feels like that's his job. And so you know what he does? He goes to Jesus and he says, hey, so what do you say is the most important commandment? What do you think is the most important law? And Jesus being Jesus simplifies this whole deal. He looks at this and he says, man, this is not complicated at all. Jesus says, you know what? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love God. And I, some of us are saying, okay, checkbox, God. You know how I did that? Came to church. And God's going to say, you know, one hour on Sunday morning doesn't sound to me like all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Yeah, but I put a check mark next to it. Lord, come on. Don't bust me on that. But he goes on. He says, wait a minute. So you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. So how we see God has a direct impact on how others see God. You know how that's connected? Because they see God in how you portray him. You see, I don't believe God's a 64 rambler, but I think at times we've made our faith and our church a rambler. We, we've forgotten at times that Jesus said, this is the biggest deal ever. Love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. That's what he's after. What Jesus is trying to say is, man, listen, settle what your base is. Move that out of here. Get it out of the way. Settle that in your heart. Know it. And then move that base and let it start touching all these areas of your life. And let base move into the deepest part of your soul. You say, okay, I got it. First, I, God, got it love others 
Got it. But there's a part in there we often forget. He said, love others the way you love you. You see, we kind of have two extremes here about the loving us part. On the one hand, man, we love us so much we're worthless. Everybody's got somebody in their life that loves themselves so much that they have determined that their role in life is to tell you what's wrong with you. Because, see, when when you think that you're really something, you get to compare yourself with everybody else and you get to find out what's wrong with them. And see, that's, that's not what God's talking about here. Jesus isn't saying, man, love yourself because you're all that. He's saying, love yourself the way God sees you, forgiven, broken, but capable because of his son Christ. He's saying, if you're going to get you right, eventually you will see God as he sees you. You will see others as he sees them. And that's the cure for common bigotry. That's the cure for racism. That's the cure for everything that ails us. Because when base moves in, Jesus takes over. And when Jesus takes over, all three are in line. So I guess my question is, is your life in alignment with how God sees you Is your alignment of other people in line because you see them as he sees them? I mean, Jesus comes along and says, okay, you got the God thing. Okay, you got the other thing. But what are we going to do about this thing here? What are we going to do about this mess? And along the way, he says, why don't we have a new perspective? Why don't we kickstart that in your life? What if we were to look at that and say, okay, how does God see me and how does God see others? And on that handout throughout this week, what if we were willing to go over here and say, you know, number one right here, this this is how God sees me. And number two, this is how God sees others. Wait a minute, what what if we were to work through that this week and have a new perspective that would say, I'm going to see me as God sees me. I'm going to see me. I'm going to see others. This is how he believes. Now, how do I see God? How do I see others? How do I see others and how do they see me? You know, it's, you could draw this all day long in all kind of forms and fashions. But when God takes over, you start moving all the diagrams and moving all the symbols and you, you're left and in the center of your life. I have to do life. Work's coming tomorrow morning. School's coming soon. The rhythm of life is gonna keep going. But if you've got base right, your perspective of life now says, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. I want this life to count for more than I just woke up, I went to work, and I came home. I, I, I want my faith system to be bigger than I come to church one hour. When, when my life is falling apart, I want to get to base. I want to be welcomed. I want to be safe. I want it to be home. And Jesus says, this is so easy. Call on my name. Just call, just call me Lord. I'll forgive you. 
the picture of that daddy with his arms open and that boy running into his arms, my picture is, I'm so grateful a heavenly father said, Chuck, come on home to base. I want to welcome you. I know you're messed up. I know you're filled with selfishness. I know you're filled with sin. I love you so much. Come on home. Let me give you a whole new perspective so you can see you like I see you. I want you to see others like I see others. And then I want to send you out there with a perspective that could change the world that's bigger than a 64 Rambler, that's bigger than whatever your faith system is, that's bigger than whatever church you grew up in. It's bigger than Sugar Hill Church. There's a bigger picture here. And God is saying the perspective here is that I want you to have an amazing, extraordinary life. And every morning you wake up, according to Psalm 121, there he is waiting on you. And he's saying, Monday morning, when you got to kill it at 9 a.m., I'm going before you. I'm going beside you. I'm coming behind you because that's base. Is that your perspective today? If it is, go on this journey with us this week. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. Because of your grace and your goodness, we can have the perspective of serving and loving. We get to look in the mirror and say, God, if this is like you, wow, how can you use me? If we can see others, especially folks we disagree with and say, Lord, I love them, send me. Send me, Lord, use me. Move all the diagrams, move all of the circles, move all the triangles, get all that out of the way. Lord, if there's one voice in my life, let it be you. Send me. We pray that in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.